The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Coaching can help you gain deeper understanding of challenges that may be holding you back. You may not realize that there are others who may be successful and operating successful businesses who share some of the same challenges that you are facing. Welcome to Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. Our program will look into the individuals and their challenges and show how the coaching process may be what they need to find the root causes of these challenges within themselves and learn to work through these challenges in order to find success. Now, here's your host, Ronald Graves. Hello, welcome to Coaching for Real, brought to you by Poyama Leadership Institute, a show that brings you real people, real challenges, and real breakthrough. Again, I'm your host, Ronald Graves. And this show is about you. Coaching for Real is on the Voice America Business Channel to help you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness. So, are you living into your greatness? Is your enterprise achieving all that's possible? Would you even venture to say that you are fully aware of the array of possibilities available for both you and for your company? I'm going to be blunt here and say no. Why? Because your greatest possibilities reside beneath your current level of awareness, waiting patiently to be discovered and unleashed. you want to listen carefully to today's broadcast because our special guest can help you do just that. I will introduce her in just a minute, but first, since this show is called Coaching for Real, let's look at the word coach for just a minute. The word coach is used to describe a number of different people. There are sports coaches, life coaches, business coaches, performance coaches, executive coaches, and many more. In fact, our special guest today is a persona coach. Why do these people call what they do coaching instead of, say, teaching or training or leading or consulting or even mentoring? What do these people all have in common? You see, we spent most of our lives learning from others through different mediums, such as books, classrooms, computers, radio, television, the internet, and even one-on-one conversations. And those people fill the role of teacher, author, trainer, manager, leader, consultant, mentor, and so on. And by the time we leave formal education, where we've been subjected to an information coming at us from all directions so we can memorize it, we're conditioned to look outside of ourselves for answers. And that's okay, because every one of us should be learning and growing every day. And there's an unlimited amount of knowledge to be found all around us. Today's show is a great example of how you can surround yourself with a network of marketing talent that can help you unleash the possible within your enterprise. But there's another element of this success equation, and that's you. Your organization cannot outgrow its leader. And for you to achieve your greatness and allow your enterprise to flourish, there is one source of answers, other than God, that is far superior to what you can find in the world of knowledge, and that source is within you. Let me explain. 
First and foremost, it's important to understand that you were created to be great. There is a masterpiece, a poema, in your DNA. Your potential is infinite, but you'll never find it by looking outside of yourself. No one can give you more potential because it's within you. You see, human potential is an inside-out job, and you must tap into it because it's what's on the inside that eventually shows up on the outside. And that is precisely why coaches are so important. Unlike teachers, consultants, managers, and mentors who are valuable, coach enables you to develop a greater sense of self-awareness. A coach is able to ask you those searching questions that you are unable to ask yourself, enabling you to see your challenges from an entirely new perspective and draw upon your internal greatness to reach your potential. You see, coaches do not bring you the answers because they know that the best answers don't come from them or from the world around you. They lie within you. Now, today's show is truly unique because while the premise of coaching for real is about discovering answers from within your internal greatness, we also need to tap into the world of knowledge outside of us, especially when it comes to the analytical expertise and finally home gut instinct that enables revenue growth, new opportunity identification, improved efficiencies, and stronger collaboration between marketing and sales. Our special guest today is Samantha Stone, the author of Unleashed Possible, a marketing playbook that drives sales. Samantha is also a revenue catalyst who helps unleash the possible in organizations that have complex selling processes. She's a fast-growth B2B marketing junkie, speaker, consultant, and as I said earlier, persona coach, who has also managed to find time to raise four boys with her husband, David. Throughout her career, she has launched go-to-market initiatives and led marketing strategies for award-winning high-growth companies, including Netezza, SAP, Ascendental Software, and PowerSoft. And in 2012, she founded the Marketing Advisory Network to help savvy business leaders like yourselves unleash the possible within their enterprises. So, Samantha, welcome to Coaching for Real. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be here today. Good. How are you? I'm excellent. I am uh, sitting enjoying a beautiful view out my window, and we're talking Uh about growth and improvement. It couldn't get better than that. No, it can't. Well, thank you again for being our guest. And, Samantha... Take us back as far as you would like and talk about the beginning of your journey. And just for now, bring us up to what you would consider to be maybe your first big milestone. That's a really um, interesting question. I'll have to go back and think about that. Um, I actually had never intended to have the career that I have today. I went to college and I got my degree in economics. And I had intended to go into public policy research. And um, my goals were noble, but my patience was not there. And one of the unique things about public policy research is that it takes a very long time to make a difference, that not only are you doing research over extended periods of time, but then consuming and acting on that research is, is a slow and laborious process. And I learned pretty early on that I'd like to have an impact much faster than that career was going to have for me. So um, through a series of 
um, interesting accidents and some things that were planned, I ended up working for a software company and um, fell in love with both the energy of the company, um, the people that were around me, as well as the work. Um, And really that first job in that software company, I worked in a channel sales division, so started my career in sales, not marketing, was really instrumental for me really determining what I wanted to be when I grew up. And um, it was the beginning Hmm. of a um, long but really rewarding journey that I took. Good. So I guess that would, you would say that was kind of your first big milestone to get, to get on with that company and kind of find what you wanted to be? Yes. It was a really big milestone. And the um, sort of surprising thing is it wasn't a milestone I was planning for. So one of the really early lessons I had for myself was that, yes, we should plan. Yes, we should think about things we specifically want to achieve. But equally importantly, we need to embrace things that happen to us and around us. And this is a perfect example of that. I never would have applied to work at a software company. I never would have saw myself in sales. It was truly a series of um, activities. It was meant to be a temporary job. Um, and only after being at that job for a few weeks, they offered me a full-time position. And um, yeah. it really was the beginning of something great. But had I not been open to varying from my initial intention, I wouldn't have... Um, I wouldn't have started the journey of a career that I love deeply today, um, and I feel uh, very fortunate to be a part of. So that's, that's, to me, a very big insight that, you know, to be open to, you know, things that come along your path that might make you either change directions or think, think differently than you did before. Yeah. That's great. So what happened next? And then you arrive at your next so-called so yeah. yeah. So I did that for a number of years, working for a number of companies, being in the technology space. There was lots of acquisitions and sales of companies. So, you know, my past worked for a number of different organizations. And a few years in, um, I was complaining a fair amount about the support my team was getting in marketing. And um, I was maybe ignorant enough and loud enough um, and constructive enough all at the same time that the management team said to me, you know what, Smith, if you feel like you can do a better job, go for it. Here, this is now your responsibility. And it was the first time that I took on responsibility for marketing. And um, I learned a couple things in that journey. The first thing I learned was that, boy, marketing was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, And I um, hadn't really understood everything that was there initially. But I also learned that I loved it, and I loved it even more than what I had been doing in sales. And I loved it, I think, because of the macro view it allowed me to have and allowed me to impact not just the individual deal or opportunity I was working that week or that month, but to be able to impact a lot of opportunities. And so that chance to take on this new responsibility when I didn't have any formal education in it um, and I had worked with my marketing peers, but I really hadn't done any you know, formalized marketing until that point was another really important milestone for me. Um, This one was a little bit more intentional. I was definitely gearing for it. I was definitely wanting to make a change in my career and take on something new and challenging. But it was, um, and and since that point in time, I've stayed in marketing and and I absolutely love it. And I see myself doing it, you know, at least for the next 10 years, who knows, probably longer than that. Well, that's great. That's great. So sometimes be careful what you ask for. 
that would be a good statement. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're so true. Um, it was really one of those eye-opening moments for me. Wow, this is really hard. Um, but I loved it, um, and I was willing to put in the work to learn. And one of the things that I had to get very real about is up until that point in time, I was really an expert in what I was doing, and I'd been doing it long enough that I had a tremendous amount of confidence in the work I'd been doing. And all of a sudden, I was responsible for marketing. And while I understood the principles of marketing, I didn't have those practical experiences to fall back on. And so I had to learn how to ask questions, how to um, be curious in a different way than I had before, and how to admit that I don't know what I'm doing here and I need help. Um, And that was not necessarily something that came very naturally to me, but it was instrumental in me getting up to speed quickly and being able to have the kind of impact on marketing that I had been having in the channel sales team. You made a very important point there that I just kind of just picked up on, and that is not to be afraid to ask for help. No, we have to. We have to ask for help um, because, you know, we can never really scale our businesses if we don't trust people around us. And so sometimes it's asking for help. Sometimes that help is because I don't know how to do something. Sometimes it's because I don't have time to do it or it's not the right use of my time. And that change for me was probably the first step. I'd had people working for me in other capacities prior to that. But this is the first time I felt that I was going into um, a professional unknown and a discipline that I hadn't been working on for a while. And um, I didn't have, at that point, a direct mentor like I had had in the channel sales function. I had a direct mentor that I worked for. And so I had to get very serious about how I approached meetings, how I learned, how I started to listen better. Um, And I didn't have all the answers, but I learned what questions I needed to ask. Good. Well, I'm going to bring you forward now because, you know, at some point in time, you went from working for others to uh, launching the Marketing Advisory Network. And that, of course, that brings together strategic planning with hands-on expertise to unleash the possible in organizations. Now, every good concept starts as an idea. So can you talk to mm-hmm. us about kind of the birth of the idea for the Marketing Advisory Network? Absolutely. So the Marketing Advisory Network celebrated our fifth anniversary in February, so it's been a little okay. bit over five years now, and it really started with, I was doing work that I loved. Um, I loved the marketing I was doing. I'd been working for a number of years, launching new products to market, growing big companies and into new segments, and I, I loved everything, but the more senior roles that I took on, the less time I was actually focused on doing things and the more I was focused on convincing people on the internal politics of organizations. Those aren't bad things, but I found it a a frustrating experience because the work that I loved was talking with customers and partners and helping sales progress and sitting with the sales team. And I was finding I had less and less time to do the things that I found most rewarding. And so I was um, always had a consulting project here and there along the side of what I was doing full-time. And I had thought about consulting a number of different times, but it was sort of a scary proposition to say goodbye to a very well-paying, very stable full-time job and go out on my own. And I was having um, a coffee with a very good friend of mine, and I was lamenting that I really wanted to do it, and I was frankly kind of whining about it. And he finally said to me, Samantha, pull the Band-Aid off already. Enough. Just go do it and see what happens. 
Um, you can't be hemming and hawing. You've got to make the all-in commitment. And he was 100% right with that. And he was just a little kick in the backside I needed. And um, a couple days later, I went and registered a domain uh, website. I incorporated, and I started wow. to sort of officially put out my um, single as a consulting practice. And um, I haven't looked back once since. It's been a incredibly rewarding experience. Wow. I won't pretend that it hasn't been scary at points, um, but it's never been a decision that I questioned. I always knew it's been the right thing for me, and I feel very lucky to do the work that I love, but now to be able to support lots of different organizations in their journeys. Wow. Great story. Well, we've come to the point of our first commercial break, so uh, I want to pick it up right here. We've gotten to a really good point that I'm very interested in knowing the next step. So um, when we return, um, we'll be back. We'll be talking again to Samantha. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Imagine a relationship where you're given the opportunity to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship focused on your potential, not your performance. This is Coaching, an alliance designed to help you achieve your intended outcome. Discovering that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Your coach is passionate about helping you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness at RonaldGraves.com. That's RonaldGraves.com. If you're looking for an in-depth, thought-provoking discussion about leadership, tune in to Bernard E. Robinson's The Leadership Forum, Making an Impact Through Effective Leadership. Each program provides an intelligent, conversational experience about leadership from Bernard, his guests, and you. If you're interested in improving the quality of leadership in your organization, listen live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time for the Leadership Forum on the Voice America Business Channel. How is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup, like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Sergio Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real. Welcome back. We're talking to Samantha Stone, founder of the Marketing Advisory Network and author of Unleashed Possible. Marketing Playbook that drives sales. Before I bring her back on, I want to speak to you on a personal level. If you are an entrepreneur or a business leader, I'd like to showcase your expertise and provide value to our listeners. 
by being a guest on Coaching for Real, please let me know. I will be more than happy to send you an application. Simply email me at ronald at ronaldgraves.com. That's ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, Samantha, when we broke for commercials, we had just gotten to the point where you had a friend, you were sitting there um, at lunch or whatever with a friend and said, just do it. And um, quit whining about it and talking about it. Let's just do it. So registered your domain and you got the um, the uh, Marketing Advisory Network up to speed. So first, well, first of all, before I get into kind of the nuts and bolts of the uh, the business itself, talk about that. You just celebrated your fifth year anniversary. So talk about that first year. How did it compare to your expectations? Honestly, um, when I went into this business, my husband and I had, had a really you know, serious discussion. We said, okay, we can do this for six months if you make very little money. And that will be really tight squeeze, but give yourself six months, and then we'll, you'll need to make a decision about whether you go back full-time working for someone else or not. And I fully expected to take most of those six months not making any money. Um, and it was my in, in my expectation that that would happen, that I would have very little work to do. Um, and I'd have, I'd have projects. I knew I could get work, but that it would not be consistent work. And, um, and that's what I expected. But the reality was something very different. Almost from the very beginning, um, within a couple weeks of launching the consulting practice, I was at full capacity with book projects. And I'm going to knock on wood right now. For the last five years, I've not had a single week where I wasn't at full capacity. And um, that has been something I had never expected to be the case. And I at no point in time take that for granted. And I think there's things that I've learned along the way to help support um, my consulting practice working that way. And I think there's been a little bit of luck as well. Um, I think it's some intentional and some good fortune um, and a lot of things coming together at the right time in the right way. Well, I'm a big believer. There's a, def- there's a definition of luck that I sort of um, you know, follow, and that is luck is really preparedness meeting opportunity. And so um, I, that kind of sounds like how it happened to you. That is, uh, you know, you didn't, you didn't get these opportunities without being ready for them and being prepared for them. Yep. So. Yeah, there's, there's so no gonna, doubt that that's true. Good, good. I'm going to get into the, the, your services and products now. And they, they're, they're grouped into six categories, and I'm going to name them off here. Strategic planning, product and service introductions, Impactful messaging, nurturing campaigns, workshops and mentoring, and market research and analytics. Now, can you talk about how these products and services sort of interact, kind of like pieces of a puzzle to form, I guess, what you would call the picture on the box of the puzzle? Um, Yeah, there's, um, you know, one of the things that you'll note is that there's another probably 10 things that marketers do that are not on that list. And I made an intentional decision to pick the things that I was very, very good at and skilled at. And I knew that not only could I do a good job, but that I could do a remarkable job so that my clients would refer me to other business and want to come back to do new things. So all of the services that you describe there are things that require a deep understanding of my client's business, a deep understanding or helping them get a deep understanding of their buyers, and a tight alignment between sales and marketing. 
Um, rarely does a customer or a client of mine use every one of those services that are available. There's usually sort of a menu of selection of things depending on what their immediate and strategic needs are. But because I do have the opportunity to service them in a number of different areas, oftentimes we'll start by defining a strategic plan. Maybe I need to create a content strategy for them. They're really struggling, and we determine that the reason they're struggling is they don't understand their buyers as well as they thought they did. So we can initiate a research project that I can work with them on, and then we can take the findings of that research project and we can act on it. We can create a content strategy. We can train their sales team. We can create content. We can do a whole bunch of different things like that. So I'm very fortunate that I get to work with lots of marketing teams, but also lots of leadership teams. I work as much for CEOs and founders and heads of sales as I do for marketing executives who really want to make the most of their marketing investments. And I have a mixture of clients. Some are launching a product for the first time, and some come, in which case we probably do a, a, a hodge and a piece of all of those different services. And then I have some very, very large clients who need help in a particular area of their business, and then we'll provide focused services there. Excellent. Now, kind of talk, you said all of your clients don't use all of your services, but did, you know, how do you know, any one of these products and services kind of stand on their own, or can, can you pair maybe two together or maybe three together, or is it just changed by the difference in the, um, for your client? Yeah, they are different for different clients. I mean, it, the truth is all of the, the services can be worked together, and usually my clients use more than one, but there are times that someone needs help with a particular thing. The, the one that, that generally stands on its own is some of the market research. A lot of times I'll work for larger organizations that will have pretty sophisticated teams, but they really want to outsource the research that they're doing for two reasons. A, they're very busy doing all the things that they're doing and, and, and having to juggle things. And B, they want an objective third party doing the research so that they, their internal biases don't show through and how they interpret the data or ask questions of um, the people that they're interacting with and collecting feedback from. That okay. will sometimes sit on its own because those organizations really just need the, the research piece. But even in those instances, I'd say at least half the time, once the research is completed, we execute another project based on something we learned, some other thing that we learned along the way that they want to work on and and I generally help them. So um, it is, you know, once in a while I'll just do a project, but for the most um, part I have multiple projects or retainer-type relationships with my clients, and we um, work across different facets of their business. Interesting. I probably should have said, asked this question earlier because I'm going to back up just a little bit and talk about, you know, the network itself, so kind of the, the makeup and the concept mm-hmm. and how it, how it evolves. I mean, can you... You go through that. Yeah. I, when I launched the Marketing Advisory Network, I decided that the world did not need another marketing agency. And there's nothing wrong with marketing agencies. They serve um, very important purposes, and I work with many of them. But what um, they also do is they provide and create a lot of overhead. And so marketing agencies tend to only be able to work with clients on very large projects and um, with um, you know, that, that have very significant budgets. And I do work with some clients that have large budgets, but I wanted to be able to work with clients regardless of how 
big their budgets were, and I didn't want to have a lot of overhead. So I built the company um, with the intention that I would not be hiring employees, that instead what I would do is that I would nurture and facilitate a network of professionals, most of which are freelancers, but not all, that um, I would bring in on projects on an ad-needed basis. I um, do not charge a fee or a margin on top of their fees. Um, my goal was not to make money on other people's work. My goal was to make sure that my clients get the deliverable that they require. So if there's a skill set that I don't have, um, like design, for example, or HTML programming, I have folks that I bring in for that. Or if it's a project that um, I need to accelerate and I'm not going to be able to get done in their time frame by myself, I have folks that I can bring in who are research specialists or writers or things like that. And I'm very transparent about that with folks, and I take responsibility to manage those projects to completion. I'm the single point of person held accountable. It's my job to make sure that the work is of the standard that those clients are expecting. But this allows me to um, charge a healthy fee for my services, but to not have a huge um, heavy overhead by having employees so that I can be flexible so I can take on some smaller clients that don't have big budgets. Or I can take on some interesting projects that I might not have been able to fit in my schedule otherwise because I'm booked because I can bring someone on board. So that's really the genesis behind the Marketing Advisory Network. Um, and I have toyed with changing that over the years, and I keep coming back to this being um, the model that seems to work really well for myself and my clients. Um, it may change over time, but... Um, right now, and for the last five years, it's proven to be a way for me to um, be very financially comfortable, but also um, be able to serve my clients with a great deal of flexibility. Well, well, there's a couple of unique things in there. One is, you know, you're using all, you know, outside people and bring them together, which I think, you know, is a concept others have tried. But, but what you said, which surprised me, was that you don't take a piece of the of the revenue or the fees that other people are charging as a commission just for the, like a finder's fee. Um, that's, that, and I, I think, think that is that's one one of the reasons that I am never without work because those are people who often have other jobs where they don't have bandwidth or they are being asked to recommend someone outside their skill set. Okay. And we've got this great relationship and we've helped each other's businesses grow and thrive. And, mm-hmm. um, I, in the long run, I feel like I make a lot more on the referrals that I get than I would on the 10% I could add on top of their fees. Great idea. like that. Well, now I'm really going to switch gears here in this segment and move on to your book, which uh, I find very interesting. Uh, we mentioned earlier about the birth of the idea that eventually became Marketing Advisory Network, so take a moment, time to, you know, to talk about the idea to write a book. How did, how did that come to you? You know, I had um, an outline for a book for a couple of years before I actually started writing it. Um, And really what it was born out of was I was finding a lot of people asking me the same kind of questions. They were facing the same challenges over and over and over again. And I wasn't able to serve all of those people's needs. Partly they didn't have money to spend. Partly I didn't have, even with a network of folks, the ability to stretch that thin because I never wanted to stretch to the point that I couldn't be responsive to clients or they felt 
that they weren't getting an appropriate level of attention. And so the book was my way of being able to um, serve a lot more people than I could as an individual. It also had a very selfish purpose, which was it was sort of a cathartic experience for me because writing it, I had to get crystal clear about how I, what my point of view was and what I'd learned along the way on very specific things. So it gave me an opportunity to be sort of soul-searching about how I viewed different aspects of marketing and sales and collaboration between the two. And I had to be able to write it down in a way that people who didn't have the benefit of a conversation with me, where it was back and forth and dialogue, were going to be able to learn and understand. So I really wanted to set out and make this a real how-to guide. And, um, I, and, and that's really the genesis of it. That's how it started. Um, and I was very fortunate to work with a wonderful book editor who kept me honest and um, was a, a, she was a marketing expert in her own right. Um, and so she was really the perfect person to read what I was doing, interpret it, and help bring clarity to all these things that we wanted to share with the world. I can tell you from the, from the time that I spent reading the book, clarity is, is, a, is a good word for that because you, know, you, you bring it forth in a very, very clear, uh, understandable way. And it's almost like this just makes perfect sense when you read it. <laughs> Um, Thank you. I, I think it was that easy having gotten to the clarity, right? You know, all the lessons <laughs> well, no, we learned along the way. <laughs> clarity doesn't happen by, uh, you know, by, by, by chance. It is, it is designed in place. Um, I've got about a minute and a half left. I'm going to ask you one quick question here. Um, you said earlier that since you started the business, you haven't been, you haven't been less than capacity. How in the world did you find time to write a book? <laughs> I planned for it. I wrote it at three in the morning. Um, you know, and also okay. most of the book got written at my cottage in the mountains, um, where we go with my kids on vacations and weekends. Okay. And I, in all seriousness, wrote a lot from three a.m. to seven a.m. Um, it's a time that my most clear thoughts are. I sort of an insomniac. I go to bed really early, but I wake early. So um, hmm. uh, I, I found time to do it, and I, um, I wouldn't say that it was easy, but we broke it down into chapters and pieces of chapters and it took about five months to do the writing once I decided we were writing it and then uh and to go through iterations so it was um I wouldn't call it easy but it was um it was natural and I it was able to fit it into my my normal schedule of things although I will tell you I feel a little bit more rested now that the book is published (laughs) than I did during the process of creating it I can certainly imagine that yeah. All right. Well, we're coming up to um, our final commercial break, and I don't have a, a question to ask that's really, really short that you know we can get in before the commercial. So I'm going to go ahead and take that now. So when we return, I want to discuss all this information that's in the book and has made so very and made so very clear by Samantha. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a relationship where you're given the opportunity to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship focused on your potential, not your performance. This is Coaching, an alliance designed to help you achieve your intended outcome. 
Discovering that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Your coach is passionate about helping you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness at RonaldGraves.com. That's RonaldGraves.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to Ronald at RonaldGraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real. Welcome back. We're talking with author and entrepreneur Samantha Stone. When we were broke, we were just discussing the concept, and now Samantha got her book written. And my first question is, how did you arrive at Unleashed Possible? I, I love it. So um, it, it was actually a combination of some intentional notions and a little bit of uh, surprise luck. Um, as you know, when you're searching for a new URL, URL and um, trying to get a web domain and things, sometimes great ideas are taken by people, even if they're not actively using it. So I did a brainstorm session, and I wrote down um, probably a dozen different phrases for what I thought um, caught the spirit of what I did in organizations and the, the work that I had been doing and the work that I wanted to do. And, um, and there was a bunch of different word phrases in combination, and Unleash Possible was the one that went out. But um, I do think it, and actually I was surprised that it was available. I felt very fortunate that it was. And it's really born from two things, which is a lot actually leading up to the um, description you had of the segment of coaching, right, which was there is a ton of potential in almost every organization I've ever been in. I've never really worked for a company that I didn't feel had potential to do even more than what they were doing, even those that were growing quickly. And that was because of individual people or because of opportunities for their product, all kinds of combinations. And oftentimes, it took someone from outside the company asking the right questions and listening well and holding them accountable to their answers to really unlock all this potential and opportunity. So Unleash Possible is really about this notion of, A, thinking about what is possible for my business. So much of us get caught in what we're doing today. So, A, think bigger. Think, where do I want to go? Think, 
how, you know, what, what enormous opportunity can I have for me or for my company? And so the possibility part is really around helping them understand that and doing the research to find out where they can serve well and differentiate, et cetera. And unleashing is really about the practical component of the work that I do, which is this idea may be great, but if I don't know how to go about getting to that idea, it's never going to happen. So we didn't want to let these dreams die on the vine. And that's really where Unleash Possible came from, was sort of the combination of it's, that potential's in there, let's find it, and then let's let you add it. Um, and that's really what my marketing practice is about, as well as what the book's about. And I see that phrase in your in your company as well, in your marketing materials for your company. So it's, it's, it's resonates yes, it throughout. Yeah, it started kind there. Yeah, it actually yeah. started as the tagline for the company. And oh, really? um, was not, it was not going to be the name of the book. I actually had a different name of the book. The book was okay. going to be called Catching Turtles. And if, uh, there's a chapter in there where I, I tell the story um, that is an analogy uh, for marketing based on Catching Turtles. And that was going to be the title of the book, except nobody but me and three people knew what that meant. And it was a terrible book title. And uh, once I emotionally let go of this story that was a good story but not a good book title, um, I really, we, we played with all different kinds of things, and I kept coming back to, gosh, this is what Marketing Advisory Network has always been about. This is Unleashing Possible. And so um, made the decision, which seems now so obvious, um, over the course of many discussions and many brainstorms. Um, and I'm not sure why it didn't just, fall into place immediately, why I even bothered thinking about other options. But um, I do think it captures the spirit of the book um, and um, have gotten great feedback on it. Excellent. Well, Catching Turtles may not have been a good title for a book, but it's a good title for a chapter. Can you, you know, there is a story about catching a turtle. Um, Can you kind of elaborate on that from the book? Absolutely. So Catching Turtles Start, I had mentioned to you, I have a cottage in the White Mountains in New Hampshire, and there's a little um, mm-hmm. lake that we go swimming in. And I took um, my boys to the lake, and I was um, sort of working. I was reading and doing a little bit of writing on the beach while they were playing, and they were proficient swimmers and a little bit older, so it didn't need a lot of my attention. And, and lo and behold, I'm on the beach, and one of my boys says to me, uh, Mom, I need to go back to the house. I need to go back to the house. And we had to sort of drive up a hill to get there. Um, I want to uh, catch the turtle. And he'd had this turtle in a net. And what happens when you get a turtle in a net is it's not hard to catch them, right? You put a net down, and mm-hmm. you grab a turtle. They don't move fast. You know exactly where they are, and they can't get away from you. Um, and you, but the problem is when you take the turtle out of the net, they're, um, they, whether they do, they sort of hide in their shell and they fall into their mm-hmm. shell. And this is really what a lot of marketing does, right? It's not hard to interrupt people. I can put a billboard in front of you when you're driving. I can um, make a phone call, you know, and hope you answer the phone. I can send you emails. These are interruptions into your day. And what happens often is it did with the turtle is when we see it, we shut down and we're not receptive to those messages. So my son decided that he wanted to find a way for the turtle to come to him. And we backed up to the cottage and we brought down all different kinds of food. We brought down hot dogs and lettuce and carrots and um, cheese, which I'm not sure why he thought cheese, but he did. And we, um, he started to lay down trails of the food. And he watched what the turtle ate. And sure enough, he found out um, the things that the turtle was attracted to. And then he remade a trail um, and that was just those things. And he just sat at the bottom and he waited for the turtle to come to him. And this magical thing happened is when the turtle came to him and he was sitting there patiently waiting 
and he had fed this turtle, all of a sudden the turtle didn't, like, hide in its shell. It was out there. Now, you can't really play with the turtle like you can a dog, so I think my son might have been slightly disappointed in the encounter <laughs> when all was said and done. But um, he, it was a perfect analogy for what marketing it really is about, which is understand what things your audience is looking for and then make those things available and let them come to you. And, um, and that really is sort of the premise of behind a lot of the marketing programs that I execute with my um, customers is to really learn what they care about, why they care about it, and then make yourself available with that content and with that information and with those insights and let them come to you and then be really open and receptive to them once they get there. And um, so I thank my son all the time because um, watching him go through this experience was a great opportunity to come up with an analogy that was really important and fundamental, but I struggled to explain to people who were not in marketing in the past. <laughs> well, you made it pretty clear. It's, it's very, very easy to understand. That is, that is, it's, it's kind of a different way of looking at things, but it's very easy to understand. It's good. Um, we all tend to read books from our own perspective. You know, maybe two, three, or four people can read the same book and all see the different things in it. So I was kind of intrigued to see you put a chapter in there about leadership culture in a marketing book. So why did you include that in your book? The culture component is not usually in a marketing book. It is a little bit unusual. But the reason I put Mm -hmm. that there is that when I work with clients, and even when I was running marketing teams myself and companies, one of the things that I kept observing is that marketing was getting held back by um, not getting support from the rescue organization. It's not a function that completely operate in a silo. We have to work with people from product development to sales, our customer support. We really need to be able to work with all the different functions in the organization to be most effective. And um, that meant we needed to create a cultural context that allowed people to understand what marketing was. So that was the sort of initial genesis around culture. And then there was a second component of that. So I still wanted to achieve two things. One is help people set up a context for the role that marketing is going to play in an organization overall. And then B, to set up within the marketing team a culture that helped it excel. I was finding that teams were very good at data analysis or they were very good at visual content creation. But what most teams were not very good at was sort of combining the art and the science of marketing. And it was because of some of the cultural norms that I would see and how meetings were held and how people were held accountable in their jobs and how people were encouraged or discouraged from sharing new ideas. And it became really clear to me that those organizations that were doing the best job, they were making the most money, driving the most profitability, having their employees be most engaged and satisfied, having the most satisfied customers, were doing something different and how they set up their their team and how the team thought about making plans and executing on those plans. And so I really wanted to capture that in this book because I didn't want it to be just about here's how to do a marketing thing. I wanted it to be here's how to do marketing, period. And that required this cultural context. Good. Good. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, Samantha, you have a few lists in the book that I find quite interesting, and I'd like to discuss a couple with us, if you could. First one is, which I, I do lots of brainstorming, I love this one, seven components of a productive brainstorming session. Can you describe those for us? 
Absolutely. Uh, brainstorming is one of the most important things we need to do, not just in marketing, but sort of across our organization. But it is a essential part of so much of um, day-to-day marketing activities. And having sat in, you know, hundreds, probably at this point in my career, brainstorming meetings, um, most get this completely wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> most teams, they um, really struggle to do a good job of this. And so in the book, I outline sort of the seven steps that I take to facilitate productive conversations that um, have meaningful output on the other side. And there's, there's nothing, by the way, magical about any of these seven steps, but it is important that all of them work together, and so few people take the time to do that. And um, the first one on this list is really right-sizing the group. Um, brainstorm sessions um, are effective when you've got a handful of people working together. I like to think of four to eight people. If I try and have a brainstorm session with 20 people in a room, um, it's very easily easy to get distracted. It's very easy to get down tangents. It's very hard for people to dig in. Conversely, if I try and have a brainstorm session with just two people in a room, there's not enough different ideas to germinate and play off each other. So getting the size of the group um, right is critically important. We also have to remember the second one on this list is that it's not just about ideas. Um, It's not just about how many ideas that we get in a brainstorming session. It's about the quality of the ideas that come out of that. And we have to make sure that we um, don't get lost in, I need to have 10 things on the board or 50 things on the board, right? You do want to try and go for volume and work through ideas a little bit, but you don't want to get lost in, you know, trying to hit a particular number. The third thing on the list is the biggest mistake people make, which is they invite people to a brainstorm session and they don't tell anybody about what's going to be covered until they get there. And so we expect people to have spontaneous thoughts and on typically very complex problems we're trying to, or opportunities, right? And so um, it really does the brainstorm session a disservice when we're putting everybody on the spot. Some people are very good thinkers without a lot of prep. Um, most people are not. Um, most people require some time to think about ideas. And so you want to give people the context ahead of time so they can come prepared to start the conversation with ideas. And then those ideas will build upon each other, right? And then you'll share one and it'll give somebody else something to think about. But rather than have people come in cold, give them the the preparation. Um, And then there's there's some other things in here. For example, you do want to provide some guardrails. You don't want to, for, um, you don't want to stop ideation, but if you have a specific budget that constraint that you have to be within, or you have a particular market segment you're going after or something else, you want to make sure people are aware of that so you direct the conversation in a way that doesn't just generate a good idea, but actually generates an idea you can act upon, right? Okay. Um, and, um, and then, of course, you know, you got to um, document those things. A lot of times you'll have great ideas, but nobody's taking notes. Nobody's trying to make sense of it. And then you think you're all excited and you leave the room and two weeks later you go, oh, my God, Jane had this idea. What was it? And you go back to Jane and says, uh, Jane says, I don't remember, <laughs> right? <laughs> what, what do you mean you didn't mm-hmm. write it down? Um, and so you need to make sure that you um, take that action. Um, and then, of course, the last two steps sort of re- relate to actioning those good ideas, which is to um, prioritize them um, as a secondary step, right? Don't prioritize while you're throwing ideas up there because it shuts down ideation. So let people throw up everything they want 
and then come back and prioritize as a group if it's appropriate to do so. And of course, assign follow-up tasks. Maybe I need to look into an idea and scope it further. Maybe I need to ask the opinion of someone who wasn't in the room. Make sure that there are very, very specific to-dos because the worst thing that happens culturally is when people get together, we say, we want you to brainstorm. They come up with great ideas and nothing ever happens with them because the next time you go to that team and you say, I want to brainstorm ideas, they say, well, why am I going to put my best foot forward? I'm not going to give this any mental energy because we never did anything with the last set of ideas we came up with. So um, I went very quickly through those. There's more guidance in the book. But um, just to give you a taste for, again, this isn't magic, but this is being thoughtful and planned and having a facilitator to make sure that you not only generate ideas from everyone in the room, even those who tend to be more quiet or to temper down those who are too too loud in the group, um, but also that you execute on those ideas. Great. Well... Guess what? We could probably spend a whole other show talking about more content in the book, but we've come to the end of our time, and I want to just thank you sincerely for uh, being a guest on Coaching for Real and ask where our listeners can contact you to learn more about the Marketing Advisory Network and where they can obtain a copy of your outstanding book, Unleash Possible. Thank you. So um, folks can find a copy can uh, find a copy of Unleash Possible on Amazon, and if they'd like to learn a little bit more about the book, they can go to unleashpossible.com. That does have a link to Amazon on there, but it also has a video from me with um, a little overview as well as um, some commentary from a reader, um, lots of reader reviews, lots of tools, linked to a blog from there, so I encourage people to go there. You can find me on Twitter at, at Samantha Stone and on LinkedIn at Samantha Stone Marketing. And, of course, you can Excellent. go to marketingadvisorynetwork.com um, should they want to learn more about the services uh, of the consulting practice. And, again, lots of free tools. I encourage people to go there, download stuff, use it. There's checklists. There's research papers. There's tons of really useful blog articles. I hope people will take the opportunity to use this free um, complimentary resources and to help drive the growth of their businesses. Excellent. Thank you so much, Samantha. It's been a pleasure having you on Coaching for Real. All right, it's been my sincere pleasure to add value to you through Coaching for Real. May the Lord bless you and keep you until we meet again. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Coaching for Real today. Be sure to join Ronald Graves again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again very soon.